Blog Talk Radio. Good evening again. Welcome to another episode of the Sound Heart Radio. Tonight, our study is going to be from the book of Joshua. And uh, we're going to be studying from chapter 22 of Joshua. And uh, we're going to take a look at uh, the, the importance of resolving conflict with God's word. Now, indeed, the theme of Joshua is conquest and conflict. So before we get into our study tonight, let us have a word of prayer. We give you thanks, Heavenly Father, for this opportunity to meet together with your saints. We ask to be guided by your spirit. And we know that the spirit of God is the author of the scriptures. And so, Lord, we pray that there are no unconfessed sins in our hearts. We pray, Lord, uh, that we would be open with you as we confess uh, our sins, because you have stated in First John 1, 9, that uh, you will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we do thank you in the name of Christ, our Savior. Amen. So uh, b- before we go into our study, uh, I want to uh, just briefly review uh, the, the word conflict. And so for our study, it, it means a, a deep uh, disagreement. And so uh, there are certain individuals who have identified at least three or four definitions of conflict. But for our study uh, tonight, we're going to look at uh, an instance uh, in the book of Joshua, which uh, could have led to civil war. And uh, so I'm going to begin reading from chapter uh, 22 of Joshua, beginning at verse 1, and then so that you can get an understanding of what, uh, what is going on here. So uh, Joshua 20, 22, verse 1, quote, Then Joshua summoned the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and said to them, You have done all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded, and you have obeyed me in everything I commanded. For a long time now, to this very day, you have not deserted your brothers, but have carried out the mission the Lord your God gave you. Now that the Lord your God has given your brothers rest, as he promised, return to your homes and the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. But be very careful to keep the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to obey his commands, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all your heart and all your soul. Then Joshua blessed them and sent them away, and they went to their homes. To the half-tribe of Manasseh, Moses had given the land of Bashan, and to the other, 
uh, half to the tribe of Joshua, uh, excuse me, and to the other half of the tribe, Joshua gave the land on the west side of Jordan with their brothers. When Joshua sent them home, he blessed them, saying, Return to your homes with your great wealth, with large herds of livestock, with silver, gold, bronze, and iron, and a great quantity of clothing, and divide with your brothers the plunder from your enemies. So the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh left the Israelites at Shiloh in Canaan to return to Gilead, to their own land, which they had acquired in accordance with the command of the Lord through Moses. When they came to Gililoth, near the Jordan and the land of Canaan, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh built an imposing altar there by the Jordan. And when the Israelites heard that they had built the altar on the border of Canaan at Gililoth, near the Jordan, on the Israelite side, the whole assembly gathered at Shiloh to go to war against them. So the Israelites sent Phineas, son of Eleazar, the priest, to the land of Gilead, to Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. With him, they sent ten of the chief men, one for each of the tribes of Israel, each the head of a family division among the Israelite clans. When they went to Gilead, to Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they said to them, quote, The whole assembly of the Lord says, quote, How could you break faith with the Lord God of Israel like this? How could you turn away from the Lord and build yourselves an altar in rebellion against him now? Was not the sin of Peor enough for us? Up to this very day, we have not cleansed ourselves from that sin, even though a plague fell on the community of the Lord. And are you now turning away from the Lord? If you rebel against the Lord today, tomorrow he will be angry with the whole community of Israel. If the land you possess is defiled, come over to the Lord's land, where the Lord's tabernacle stands, and share the land with us. But do not rebel against the Lord or against us by building an altar for yourselves, other than the altar of the Lord our God. When Achan, the son of Zerah, acted unfaithfully regarding the devoted things, did not wrath come upon the whole community of Israel? He was not the only one who died for his sin. Unquote. I want to stop there for a moment because uh, there's a lot going on here that we need to uh, absorb. First of all, uh, this, is a, this is a family misunderstanding. And I'm going to say it like that now uh, at this point, but you can see uh, what the point of conflict is. Upon entrance into the promised land, well, before that, in fact, the people of God were told uh, the character, told about the character of the people who inhabited the land. Uh, They were not to make a treaty with any of these uh, any of these people uh, they were uh, they God had given them title title to the land but they had to possess what God had given them and so uh, 
so there were years uh, of wars uh, within uh, the land of Canaan against these people, and we read that uh, these nation states were entrenched. They uh, were determined not to be rooted out. And so, uh, and God's people were also told that in order to possess the land, they must do so by faith. Please remember, there were giants in the land. Also remember that these were highly sophisticated cultures. Uh, they were not primitive by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and Joshua lets us know as much. Uh, we, we find that uh, Jericho uh, itself was, was a huge tell, and uh, Tel El uh, Sultan, and uh, it was 400 by 200 yards. So it was, it was a very large place. Uh, and not only that, there, uh, uh, there was a town called uh, Book Town or Scholar Town. Uh, so these people had cities with books. They had libraries. They had banks. If you would look, uh, take, a, uh, take some time to check out Joshua chapter 15, verse 15 it reads, uh, from there he marched against the people living in Deberf, formerly called Kiriath Seeper. And the word Kiriath there, it, so this city was a cultural center. It was a city of books, or it was a university town. In the same chapter, uh, in verse uh, 24, uh, no, verse 25, we have the name of Kiriath. And uh, so this was the family of Judas, Kiriot Herzron, that is Hazor. And so you know uh, that Judas was the betrayal of the Lord. So we have this, uh, this significant history provided for us. And so this is not mere history. This is salvation history uh, that God has provided for us. At the end of chapter 15, verse 63, you read, Judah could not dislodge the Jebusites who are living in Jerusalem. To this day, the Jebusites live there with the people of Judah. And so God's people uh, had a difficult time uh, obtaining their possession because they did not do so by faith. Now, in uh, Joshua chapter 17, uh, we read, and we started verse 15, quote, If you are so numerous, Joshua answered, and if the hill country of Ephraim is too small for you, go up into the forest and clear the land for yourselves there in the land of uh, the Perizzites and the Raphites. Now, the Raphites uh, were giants. And uh, so Joshua literally says, up for yourself, up for yourself. Uh, cut down and uh, do what the Lord has said you could do. Joshua said to them, you can. But, you know, this area uh, was known as a place of shades or ghosts, uh, the departed ones or, or the, uh, the dead. And so you have key words associated with this area. Uh, one word is sunken, or the uh, the powerless ones. 
But then Joshua said to them, uh, you can do what God has strengthened or empowered you to do. So Joshua uh, says you can. You and I read this in the New Testament as well in Joshua uh, in Philippians 4.13. I can, do, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Colossians 1.11, 2 Corinthians 12.9, Ephesians 1.18 and 19. You can. But the individual must believe uh, that God has so equipped him. Now, if one is a spiritual believer, uh, the spiritual believer understands uh, that he or she can move on by faith and that God will bless when the step of faith is taken. Now, I wanted you to have some background because I wanted you to get a sense of the, the fact that the, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh were faithful uh, in their commitment to help their brethren uh, to face their foes or to defeat their enemies. They fulfilled their commitment. And so you see the consistency of their character in action. The character is revealed by action. And so we see this at work. Uh, theirs was not a saying faith. Theirs was a doing faith. And so these people understood that faith without works is dead. They did not have dead faith. faith. They had a living faith. And so uh, they showed or they demonstrated their faith by their actions. So uh, in chapter 22, verse 3, Joshua himself says, for a long time now to this very day, you have not deserted your brothers, but have carried out the mission the Lord your God gave you, unquote. So here it is. This is Joshua, Joshua's own testimony about the character of these people. And so, but then uh, we go down to verse 5. Uh, we have some very uh, important truths that, that are enumerated for us, beginning in verse 5. Joshua says, be careful to keep uh, the commandments and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. Now, notice carefully uh, Joshua's attitude toward Moses. Joshua uh, was placed into his position by God. This was a very spiritual man. He was spirit-filled. Moreover, he was humble. And so uh, this man acknowledges uh, the greatness of Moses uh, after his death. This is very important uh, for you and I to remember as well. So be careful to keep. and. Uh, this means to observe, uh, the verb keep, uh, to personally observe and then pass on to others. To personally do or keep and then pass on to others the commandment and law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. Speaking to whom? 
to the Reubenites, the Gadites, the half-tribe of Manasseh. They are the people of God. Even though they live on the other side of the, uh, of, of the Jordan, they are, they are God's people. He goes on, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to obey his commands, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all your heart and all your soul. See, there is a holistic nature to salvation. All of us are involved. None, uh, nothing is excluded. Uh, God demands all from us because he gives us all. There is to be no partial keeping of the commandments because that is disobedience. Uh, an individual can't say, well, I observe this part of the Ten Commandments and not the rest of it because the Ten Commandments are a single fabric. They are a whole. If, you, if an individual breaks one commandment, then he breaks all. In the Western mind, the Western mentality believes it can discriminate and obfuscate and say, well, I will observe this much, and but I won't observe that. That is a very flawed understanding of the word of God. It is all of a whole. It is a single fabric. So, uh, to hold fast to him and to serve him with all your heart, with all your soul. Joshua understood that if believers follow the Lord in this manner, then their lives would be overflowing with massive successes, so much so that they would not be able to contain all of the blessings and all of the successes that God would heap upon their lives. But you see, uh, the, the world, the flesh, and the devil are our enemies. The world, the cosmic system, the flesh, that is that which uh, dwells within, and the devil. These are the believer's enemies. John uh, talks about this in First John, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so uh, it is imperative that we note that Joshua knows the key to success. He knows the key to life, and that is what? Following a heart after the Lord, doing his will, surrendering our, our will upon the altar, because our will only leads what? Only leads to disaster. But when we humbly submit our will to the will of the Lord, then we will have a God will fill our lives uh, with wonderful things. I know this, and, I, and I've seen God do this in my own life. Okay? And so uh, here's, a, here's a, a beautiful character uh, uh, reference, if you will, 
to these individuals, to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. And so he, he wants them to understand how important it is to follow the Lord. And then in verse 6, Joshua blessed. So this is wonderful. So this is the background that we have. We have wonderful success. We have Joshua, uh, Joshua's praise of these individuals. And so we see that these are individuals of incredible character. Uh, then Joshua blessed them and sent them away, and they went to their homes uh, uh, together, uh, excuse me, uh, to the half-tribe of Manasseh. Moses had given the land of Bashan. And so they go back to their homes. When Joshua sent them home, he blessed them, saying, Return to your homes with your great wealth. The Bible teaches that the laborer is worthy of his hire. The laborer is worthy of his hire. And so these men, they were seven years. And so uh, this is their, their, they're being blessed with the reward for their labor. See, God will always bless us because you and I know that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. You have to know that. You have to know that as individuals whom you serve uh, don't appreciate your ministry or your faithfulness, you have to know that what? You have to do what you do as unto the Lord. Amen? You have to do your work as unto the Lord. Paul writes that he that uh, he that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. You don't want to sow sparingly. See, these men, what they they worked. They helped their brethren to defeat their enemies, and so uh, this was a great work. And so they what they received. A great reward. God sees. God watches. What we do and how we do what we do. God knows what we do out of a faithful heart. And God is going to reward. Now, there may be people who are being blessed by your ministry, and they may not show it. But God sees. And... uh, the Lord is going to bless. So don't ever stop being faithful. Don't ever uh, allow people to let you become discouraged. You just keep looking to the Lord. And you keep your eyes on, on him, and you're going to be wonderfully reward, uh, rewarded. And so they went home with silver, gold, bronze, and iron, livestock, and a great quantity of clothing, and Joshua said, divide with your brothers the plunder from your enemies. So uh, when they came uh, to Gilalah near the Jordan, the, uh, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the Hathor of Manasseh built an altar there by the Jordan. Now, and so here we, we have this instance. And when the Israelites, their brothers, heard that they had built the altar on the border of Canaan at Gilalah, near the Jordan on the Israelite side, the whole assembly gathered at Shiloh. 
Listen to this. Listen to the language. Verse 11, when the Israelites heard. Now, so what is the definition of a rumor? Well, it's an un, a rumor is an un, unsubstantiated story. So, and that's why rumors are dangerous. But then you have naive people who uh, will just believe the rumor, uh, devoid of fact. They don't want the facts. And if you're ever in a situation where someone was looking uh, to get you, uh, get at you in some way, uh, the rumor will suffice. And we have to be really very careful with rumors. And uh, the Bible warns us about uh, what this could mean for us spiritually. Now, as the, as the believing community, uh, we are told that uh, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. But notice what goes on here. So now these believers gather at Shiloh to go to war against them. They were going to go to war against their brethren on the basis of a rumor. You see that this is family conflict? Beginning in Genesis 3, we have family conflict. And you see what happened to the home of Adam and Eve? how the door was open to sin and through opening the door to uh, listening to uh, the shining one who, and this is not God, the shining one uh, led the woman into sin and the husband followed knowingly. He knowingly disobeyed the direct command of God. In Genesis 2, God tells him to what? Guard his home. So, through the, uh, Paul writes, uh, through one man, sin entered into the world and death through sin. Paul did not write, through one man, sin into the world and depravity through sin. Uh, the Bible never uses the word depravity. The Bible reads death entered into the world through sin. So, but God redeemed the man and his wife. They were saved. But they were saved from the penalty of sin, but they suffered the consequences of sin. And notice, uh, their son's uh, uh, Abel's life was snuffed out by Cain, his brother. And so murder entered, uh, entered into human history through, what, the first family. You go uh, and further in, in Genesis and you read about the call of Abram. You read about uh, what happened in his family, the conflict there. Uh, over 
uh, the servant woman and her son. And what this call, uh, the severe conflict, this calls in, in uh, the home of, of Abraham. The Bible never tells us that these things were perfect. But one thing we note about uh, Abram, uh, Abraham, he believed God, and it was counted to him uh, as righteousness. And, and so we go on to the patriarchal family, and what do we see? We see conflict. Uh, when Jacob goes to his uncle Laban, and God begins to prosper Jacob uh, in, in this land with, uh, with his uncle, uh, conflict will, uh, arose uh, in the family. So, and in Jacob and Esau, the conflict between these brothers, what happened there? Uh, and what happened uh, with Joseph and his brethren, a conflict. But I want you to know that uh, God, God blessed. And we see the will of God uh, being worked out in history through these families. Remember the conflict that entered into David's family uh, through his sin with Bathsheba. And uh, God said to David that the sword will never depart from his house. And you see that uh, sin entered into David's David's family through he and Bathsheba. And uh, look what he did to his family. But God blessed David. God uh, David suffered for his sin, but God what? God uh, blessed him. The prophet came to David and talked to him about what God was going to do. See, God does not toss or us aside or throw us aside uh, when we sin. Uh, David was a man after God's own heart because when he recognized his sin, now it took him a year after the sin with Bathsheba, to go before God and confess. He held on to that sin as long as he could. But everything uh, had begun to crash in his life, his own life, his health, uh, his emotional stability, his mental stability. Everything began to crash because he wouldn't let go of sin. So even... uh, the, uh, the king of Babylon, after God uh, had dealt with him over his sin, he walked on the balcony and said, look at this Babylon that I have built. And then the watchers decreed that he should be punished. And there he is, Nebuchadnezzar, in his courtyard, uh, was significantly transformed. He stayed there for seven years, but God did not allow his kingdom to perish. And then when God redeemed him, brought him back, he said, those who walk, he he, he wrote a tract about God and his grace. King said, and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. The writer to the book of Hebrews says that God uh, skins alive every son whom he receives. That's gender inclusive. 
He skins alive. I know that's uncomfortable language, but it is biblical language, and the truth is good for us. He skins alive every son whom he receives. And he goes on to say that no punishment, you know, we don't like it, but afterwards, what? It yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Now, these people had gathered together at Shiloh to go to war against their brethren on the basis of a rumor they had heard. And so now, okay, they're preparing for civil war. Verse 13, so the Israelites sent Phineas, son of Eliezer, the priest, to the land of Gilead, to Reuben, Gad, and a half tribe of Manasseh. With him they sent ten of the chief men, one for each of the tribes of Israel, each the head of a family division among the Israelite clans. So they're going to do an investigation. And I can appreciate this because this aspect, this is very important. And I want you to note that in their investigation, in their questioning, uh, they cite two historical references. Uh, and so when they went to Gilead, uh, verse 16, the whole assembly of the Lord says, how could you break faith? Now, there is a lot of assumption behind this statement. After Joshua, in verse 1, had summoned the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh to bless them, now this group of individuals who go to meet them and to ask them about what's going on says how they, their opening statement is how could you break faith with the God of Israel like this? See, when people hear a rumor about you and they come and interrogate you, it's not so much to hear what you have to say. It's to substantiate what they already believe. It's it's to substantiate what they want to believe. And Joshua blessed these people after all of their hard work. So are Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, are they schizophrenic? They show for seven years, they work with these brethren who have now come to them with this question. How could you break faith with the God of Israel like this? How could you turn away from the Lord and build yourselves an altar in rebellion against him now? Listen to the language. It is accusatory. It is prejudicial. The language does not allow for uh, any rebuttal. It is language that's designed to do what? To close the trap. 
that's already been set. Notice the way the questions are posed. How could you? How could you? Turn away from the Lord and build yourselves an altar in rebellion against him. Now, now who? I don't know who they heard this from, but I don't think whoever saw this altar stayed around long enough to carefully document the fact that these people now, uh, they were apostates. And I observed each one of them uh, do this in rebellion against God or, or, or somehow blaspheme the, God, uh, uh, the Lord God. And uh, I saw them walk in rebellion. And I saw them do certain. No, that's, that's, not, that's not what is written down here. See, these, these, are, uh, these are assumptions that they have made. Verse 17, was not the sin of pure uh, enough for us? Up to this very day, we have not cleansed ourselves from that sin, even though a plague fell on the community of the Lord. And are you now turning away from the Lord? If you rebel against the Lord today, tomorrow he will be angry with the whole community of Israel. If the land you possess is defiled, come over to the Lord's land, where the Lord's tabernacle stands, and share the land with us. But do not rebel against the Lord or against us by building an altar for yourselves other than the altar of the Lord our God. So they go on and on. And then it, this whole, uh, this, this, these statements, these indictments uh, end with this. Verse 20, when Achan, the son of Zerah, acted unfaithfully regarding the devoted things, did not wrath come upon the whole community of Israel? He was not the only one who died for his sins. No, his family, tragically. It's tragic. So, you see Joshua's attitude and Joshua's blessing upon these people, and then you see uh, what these people have come uh, to say to these individuals who have helped them in the Canaanite war. They were powerful and capable allies in the Canaanite war. And so they come up against them with indictments. Verse 21, then Reuben, Gad, and Hathcock of Manasseh replied to the heads of the clan of Israel, the mighty one, God, the Lord, the mighty one, God, the Lord. He knows, and let Israel know, if this has been in rebellion or disobedience to the Lord, do not spare us this day. If we have built our own altar to turn away from the Lord and to offer burnt offerings and grain offerings or to sacrifice fellowship offerings on it, 
May the Lord himself call us to account. These people have righteous character. They're righteous individuals. No, verse 24, no. We did it for fear that someday your descendants might say to ours, what do you have to do with the Lord, the God of Israel? The Lord has made the Jordan a, Jordan a boundary between us and you, you Reubenites and Gadites. These people are sharp. You have no share in the Lord. So your descendants might cause ours to stop fearing the Lord. You see? That is why we said, let us get ready and build an altar, but not for burnt offerings or sacrifices. On the contrary, it is to be a witness between us and you and to the generations that follow that we will worship the Lord at his sanctuary with our burnt offerings, sacrifices, and fellowship offerings. Then in the future, your descendants will not be able to say to ours, you have no share in the Lord. And we said, if they will ever say this to us or to our descendants, we will answer, look at the replica of the Lord's altar, which our fathers built not for burnt offerings and sacrifices, but as a witness between us and you. Far be it from us to rebel against the Lord and turn away from him to offer by building an altar for burnt offerings, grain offerings, and sacrifices, other than the altar of the Lord our God that stands before his tabernacle. Amen. And when Phineas the priest and the leaders and the heads of the clans heard what Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh had to say, they were pleased. And Phinehas, son of Eliezer, the priest, said to Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, today we know that the Lord is with us because you have not acted unfaithfully toward the Lord in this manner. Now you have rescued the Israelites from the Lord's hand. This is a very, unquote, this is a very dangerous situation. Look, it is not easy being in this world. We make mistakes. Sometimes we don't have all the facts. And that is why it's so dangerous. And the Bible tells us that we're to walk by faith and not by sight. And this could have been a very bloody situation. Rumors have caused, have caused great harm. Rumors have caused people to be killed, murdered. Uh, other atrocious things have happened to people because people with un- unholy tongues have decided to destroy uh, the character of an individual or a group of individuals. And it's to satiate their desire for hate. So we have this instance here in the Word of God so that you and I might know that we need to take time, we need to be careful, and we need to learn the importance of giving every situation to the Lord and allowing the Lord to be the judge over what we might uh, find difficult to understand. God is doing something mighty 
in your life tonight, I don't know exactly what it is, but if you're dealing with a situation involving great conflict, you need the Lord, and you need his wisdom, you need his guiding hand so that lives will not be ruined, but that lives will be saved, and God will reward you openly how you handle situations that he brings into your life. Remember, these are tests. Good night, and God bless you.